Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code Sport of Kings, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in the state where such activity is legal, void to prohibit national gambling support line 800-522-4700. The biggest and best of the Northwest just got even better. Introducing the all-new Muckleshoot Rewards Program with three tiers and extraordinary benefits. Play with your Muckleshoot Rewards card to earn points for free play and qualify for dining discounts, gifts, and much more. The more you play, the more you earn. Enjoy more benefits than ever before with the new Muckleshoot Rewards Program. Muckleshoot Casino, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Welcome once again to Horse Racing Northwest. Joe Withy, Vince Brune here from Emerald Downs as we start another week of the 221, what did I say, 2021 Emerald Downs meeting. I'm all excited, Vince. We have our first stakes of the meeting. We have our 25th birthday coming up on Sunday, Father's Day, first race, 2.30. Vince, good day to you. Yes, week five, and as you mentioned, uh, off the bat, four stakes. We got two on Thursday, the Hastings and the Budweiser. Then on Saturday, the three-year-olds get their first crack of the year with the Auburn featuring the return of Dutton. Yes. And the Seattle for three-year-old Phillies. So lots of good stakes activity this weekend. Okay, yeah, Sunday racing this week at Emerald Downs. It'll be June 20th, and we're going to have a birthday uh, recognition, little celebration for uh, longtime employees, 25-year employees, 25-year trainers, uh, the investors led by Ron Crockett and Jack Hodge, and uh, the Muckleshoot Tribe. Uh, we're going to recognize some people that have made Emerald Downs a gem of the Northwest since June 20th, 1996. So the birthday is this Sunday, and that ceremony is going to start about 2. So the first race will be more like 2.45 this coming Sunday, and racing at 6 on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. couple of eight race cards, and boy, I think those stakes races are going to be pretty darn attractive this week, Vince. They are, and one of our guests, Blaine Wright, is going to play mm. a major role. I uh, counted up. He's got six starters in the four stakes this weekend. And uh, yeah, it's uh, Baja Sur, 2019 Washington Horse of the Year returns. And he's taken on Papa's Golden Boy in that cast. And then uh, the older fillies and mares. It's a really tough race, Joe, if you go it over is. that. With Daffodil Sweet probably getting her toughest sprint test to date facing Coco B. Uh, I am a happy cat, the winner from a couple years ago and a real solid cast there. Indeed. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about the stakes. Blaine Wright's going to join us, as Vince alluded to. Also, John White, 
joining us as well. Many of you are very familiar with John, the native of Spokane, has been uh, located in Southern California since the early 80s, and uh, his Triple Crown Kentucky Derby historian ship and uh, I just made up a word and handicapping is just uh, uh, par excellence around North America and uh, maybe a little triple crown talk might creep in but let's take a look at last week before we move on too far um, some great performances as usual last week over the Wednesday and Thursday at Emerald Downs. Yeah we did and it, our jockey of the week Joe Alex Cruz mm. that's too straight for him we Which, try we try to get away from that, but he won seven races last yeah. week: four on Wednesday and three on Thursday. Tremendous. So, and then how about Candy Kreiderman? Four wins as a trainer, eight starts, four wins, one second, two thirds. And then John Parker, Candy's main client, our owner of the week: seven starts, four wins. Wow, that's a heck of a week for an owner. And then our Washington bred uh, Gordon Anthony, who incidentally was claimed for a meet high twenty five thousand dollars out of that win by Mutiny Bay Backstretch and Frank Lucarelli. Gordon Anthony bred by Steve Meredith. Yeah, indeed. So uh, John Parker, a multiple leading owner here at Emerald Downs, uh, right there vying for the top spot. I think you mentioned that the Conleys, Greg and Chuck Conley, the Terra Firma farm, still one win ahead, one win ahead of John. Correct, six to five. And then there's uh, a couple with three and a bunch with two as we get rolling into, well, we're about 20% of the way into the meet. Okay. Excellent. Okay, so last week, Kreiderman and Parker stepped forward. John's got a lot of people rooting for him around the track. You know, he, he sponsors the, the Freight Northwest purse and the John Parker purse. And uh, he, you know, he's claimed from a lot of people around here, but he can walk right up to him with a smile on his face because uh, uh, that's the game. He knows it. And uh, he is a, a generous guy in many ways so john with a lot of people rooting for him so congratulations to him for that outstanding week past at emerald downs uh all right uh news and notes at emeralddowns.com make sure you check that out uh, vince has updated that for this week and um uh, the regular stuff is fantastic vince it's long and thorough so uh, you've got it all updated i take we do yeah and uh, we're starting to see some uh as well as the weeks go by the uh accumulations are, are getting bigger. Um, Harbor the Gold, one little tidbit, is back atop the leading uh, wins for a, by a horse for a sire, excuse me, mm. with four. Don't mess with Kitten, though, an unusual uh, spot near the top of the leaderboard with three wins. Okay, three. And Liberty Gold has two. We know that through Mike Mann's you Gold. Bet. <laughs> Liberty Gold, Private Gold, Harbor the Gold. Uh, done some outstanding work of course harbor the gold uh winning nine of the last 10 most wins by a sire at an emerald downs meeting tremendous uh speaking of that on stats i'm going to make a correction from last week i said Tappet, the sire Tappet had five belmont stakes winners it is four on my list i uh i didn't think i'd written down the 221 winner just the other day essential quality but i had so Five is not the number. Four sons of Tappet have won the Belmont. It's still pretty impressive. Still pretty impressive to say the pretty least. Pretty darn impressive. And that's enough to say that it's more than just uh, you know a, a fluke. When you it, it, those horses are bred to go long, because the Belmont, of course, is a mile and a half, which is uh, kind of an aberrant distance in this day and age. So four winners is still excellent. Okay. Well, once again. Um, if you'd like tickets for this Sunday or any days, go to emeralddowns.com. 
purchase your tickets online. We're going to have a nice crowd this Sunday, Father's Day. Been a great tradition at Emerald Downs with uh, stakes races, and we've got a stakes double header. Not all the info on Sunday's stakes out um, to the public as of yet, I don't think, but Vince has uh, an inside look at that. So um, let's take a look at those Sunday stakes before we do any handicapping and go further. Uh, just kind of the entries there on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, I, I think they're probably drawing as we speak, or they may have already finished, but, but we've got uh, six, it looks like, uh, certain for the Auburn, uh, headed up by uh, Dutton, our uh, yes horse of the year, horse of the meat, and or horse of the meat, yep. and has been uh, just training up a storm in the morning. But there's a, a tough shipper coming up from uh, California named Big Duke, um, who might have a say in that race. So that will be interesting. The Seattle Stakes, we got ten uh, three-year-old fillies in that, and. Blaine Wright, again, is going to play a big hand there. So we'll talk to Blaine about La Una. And then he's got one named Gail's Evening, mm. uh, who might be the morning line favorite the way it's going. So uh, as usual in stakes, Blaine Wright with a big hand. Yeah, he's uh, got a big advantage the last five years in stakes wins at Emerald Downs. Uh, he had just those two or three tremendous years consecutively. Didn't do badly last year either, but... Uh, uh, Frank Lucarelli was our leading stakes trainer of 2020. As we, as we introduce Blaine, I'll go down those numbers with okay. us, Joe. Very good. Uh, so our schedule, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday this week. Again, first race Sunday, about 2.45. And we're going to do that schedule. Uh, the We're going to do a schedule change. So if you haven't heard, we're going to go to Thursday nights, Saturday nights, and Sunday afternoons in July. So this week at Emerald Downs, it'll be Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday, as it will uh, the next couple of weeks. We're going to run on Wednesday to through the end of June. Actually, yeah. So uh, June 30th is a Wednesday. We'll be racing that night. But then we're going to race on July 3rd, the 3rd of July. And that'll be a uh, afternoon crowd or a, a 6 p.m. start. Saturday, July 3rd. We won't race on Sunday, the 4th of July, but we'll be racing all Sundays after that through the end of the meet, post time 2.30. So I hope I got that out right. Wednesdays for this week, next week, and June 30th, and then we'll go to Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, beginning second week of July, it gets pretty simple. Thursday, okay. Saturday, Sunday. Yep. All right. So uh, Blaine Wright and uh, John White are going to join us. Let's see where we at here. Get your tickets at emeralddowns.com. Yeah. And uh, we're going to have a little talk on our opening day ever back on June 20th, 1996. Um, let's see. We're going to have a trivia question at the end of the show this week. So... Stay with us, and we'll take a short time out, and we're going to come back with trainer Blaine Wright on Horse Racing Northwest. Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code Sport of Kings, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining, as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 
first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code SPORTOFKINGS when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. A few 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in a state where such activity is legal, void, or prohibited. National Gambling Support Line 800 Horse Racing Northwest continues, and our pleasure to uh, bring on the show one of Emerald Downs' top trainers, uh, and his name is Blaine Wright. Blaine has just uh, been tremendous, especially the past few years as he took over the stable from his uh, beloved father, Richard, who did pass away last year. Um, That is a negative note. Uh, We all loved Richard in Washington racing history. But Blaine has done pretty well on his own, too. And Vince Bruin has some uh, some information on that, Vince. You bet. Yeah, so Blaine is tied for sixth all-time with 42 stakes wins at Emerald Downs. But listen to this. Since uh, 2017, uh, he is 42 for 196 in stakes races. Hmm. That's, uh, excuse me, 31 for 116 in stakes races, 42 all-time. 31 for 116, that's 26.7% wins in stakes. The next closest in wins is Frank Lucarelli with 14. Wow. And I remember, you know, people say, well, you get good horses, but when you got good horses, you got to beat good horses, and Blaine has beaten good horses with his. This weekend, get this, six starters in stakes, and the buds, he's got Baja Sur and Wind Ribbon. The Hastings, he's got Coco B. The Auburn, he's got Top Executive. And in the Seattle Stakes, La Una and Gale's Evening. So, uh, Blaine Wright, quite a factor this week, Joe. Yeah, Blaine uh, is joining us, and he is on his way to the airport right now. But uh, he'll be around Emerald Downs this weekend for sure. Blaine, great to have you on. Welcome. Uh, Thanks for having me again. Yeah, you bet, Blaine. And uh, just to uh, start off with Baja Sur, who's in on Thursday night, at Emerald Downs, and he's returning to his home state. He is in the Budweiser at six furlongs. And Vince, uh, whenever a, a Northwest trainer has a horse in, uh, wherever it might be out of state, we always pay close attention. But we pay a little closer attention to the Washington breads and really root for them. And Baja Sir has uh, served so well since he left here undefeated. He sure has. And what I love about him, he fires every time. It doesn't matter if it's turf or synthetic or dirt. He is a hundred percent racehorse and great to have him back at Emerald Downs. Yeah. Blaine, uh, tell us about Baja Sir and his return. Uh, uh, familiar uh, stall in your barn and uh, he's certainly been over this track in good fashion before. How's he doing? Yeah, he's doing good. He shipped up uh, about uh, we had a nice five eights down there in company before he left, and he's probably been here, oh, maybe maybe going on three weeks, maybe just shy of three weeks now. Uh, had a super working company and then came back with uh, a light half mile last week. And, um, you know, it's great to have him home. We, we actually had him here last year when the pandemic hit and racing got shut down. And, you know, we were forced to move him back to Northern Cal and, uh, Went on to Del Mar there, and while he didn't well win at Del Mar, boy, he sure fared good. Uh, he run his butt off for us down there, and um, before our next pandemic hit at or shutdown hit at uh, uh, Golden Gate, uh, Baja was, I think he was three to five morning line and a Calbred stakes at Golden Gate coming off that hundred buyer that uh, that he won, and 
you know, the race got canceled and we kicked him out for a while and, and here we are again. We're, we're ready to go. He's coming off a couple second place finishes on the synthetic and plan was to run in the all American here a couple weeks ago on the 31st, going a mile to get a mile under our belt. But, um, when Emerald added this other stakes race, it was kind of like a no brainer, uh, for us to, to, uh, come home and we got four made stakes races now. Uh, at Emerald, uh, assuming he can get two turns, you know, uh, we'll go in these two sprints and hopefully the Lawnacre's mile. And depending on how he routes, uh, that'll be a decision whether or not we go to the Muckleshoot Classic or not. Blaine, have you had a chance to look at the Budweiser at all? I know you also got Wind Ribbon in there, but uh, it's be a little bit of a test for Baja Sir, it looks like. Well, you know, anytime you get horses of these calibers, Vince, uh, it's a test for for everybody every time um you know i i think that uh he's faced this caliber of horse before um i'd like to think that this is his surface because he is undefeated on it um but you know we still got to run a smart race we we we're, we're probably not going to go take off after that other horse because he's you know he's got a, an enormous amount of speed it's just a matter of when that horse reaches up to take a breather we want to be right on top of him Blaine Wright, our guest, and uh, looking at the form to me, you know, we know Baja Sir's quality. Uh, Blaine and Vince, uh, just to refresh, he was uh, our champion two-year-old of 2019. He was our champion three-year-old and horse of the year for 2020. He was our champion sprinter, champion older horse for 2021. So uh, he has just tremendous uh, in his career, the son of Smiling Tiger and Primo Copy, bred by John Roche, owned by the Mariansky's in the Riverbend stable of uh, uh, Gail and Jerry Schneider, and uh, trained by Blaine throughout his career. Undefeated at Emerald Downs, four for four with three stakes wins. Um, I'm seeing on the form, Blaine, I'm seeing it doesn't really matter how fast the pace is. Uh, he's just really a pure sprinter that can... Uh, can really get into a race any way it kind of sets up. Is that is that a fair thought? Yeah, I mean, he's always forwardly placed in his races. Um, you'll wonder, coming off this, this last uh, layoff, you know, I know I didn't have him fit the first time, but we wanted to get a race into him before the, uh, I think it was the Lost in the Fog. And, you know, he hooked one of my old horses, hmm. uh, Any Port in a Storm, who you all know, and that horse is a super horse in his own. And I, and I done a real good job of not having to run those two together for quite some time. And, uh, any port in a storm is just a superior synthetic horse as well. I think that his record is eight starts, six wins, a second and a third sprinting mm. on the Teta surface. So, you know, to get beat by a horse like him, that's no slouch. And we did beat some other quality horses in that race. Um, I, I truly believe, uh, you know, my horse is probably the the horse that's obviously the most accomplished in the race, and he's still got to go out and do it. You know, yep. we need to we need to come out and and uh, guns a blazing, and you know, win ribbon in his own right. He's not no bad horse. I mean, that horse deserves a a chance at these kind. Um, he blitzed him two or three times last year. Um, he runs second twice to one of my old horses, uh, Oh Marvelous Me, who's a career Emerald Downs horse. I think he has nine or ten local wins so you know in that sense uh uh he drew a terrific post yeah. uh, he's got natural early speed and you know um it, it'll be interesting uh, 
we had him in a race. He turned a shoe in the paddock, and I mean, oh. we couldn't get it back on the life. I mean, he was just wasn't going to hand it. It wasn't going to take it. And we tried about four times to get the shoe on, and he was just not ready to stand to have a shoe put on. So I elected to scratch the horse, and we came back with a, a nice six furlong breeze. And um, you know, Michael Dadzovich, a great great owner for the game. He's the kind of guy that uh, he retires horses, rehomes them, and he said, "Why not? Let's take a shot." So, you know, maybe maybe that horse will, will rise to the occasion as a five-year-old. Well, he drew outside. It's his first stakes race, Wind Ribbon. He's a sharp-breaking horse, and we've seen him run some uh, just some really fine sprints around here. And uh, so he is added to that Budweiser stakes on. Thursday night at Emerald Downs. Blaine's also in the other stake on that night, and that is going to be an exciting event. The Hastings at six furlongs for fillies and mares, and uh, you brought Coco B up here to run in the Northwest for the first time and run over the dirt for the first time. So how's she handling that Emerald Down dirt under her feet? Well, she had a pretty good workout last week, and uh, I wasn't here. I was back in California, but um, we had... uh, Franklin Sabalos breezed her for Irving, and, um, you know, I wanted to get a, a nice long work over the track. She seems to have pulled up well. I've watched her train yesterday and today, and, um, you know, it's new for her. Um, she's obviously a quality horse, uh, and, and the idea is to run her in both the Philly and Mare Stakes here to try to get some black type. This will be her last year of racing, and um, Jared's going to want to take her on to Kentucky, and you know, we're hoping we can pick off uh, one of these races or at least make a good showing. Yeah. Well, what a tremendous record uh, coming in. Seven for 13 on synthetic and raced on the grass one time. And and Vince, uh, Blaine, she's going to have some speed to run at, it looks like. Well, of course, Daffodil Sweet, unbeaten around two turns. Um, one turn. Excuse me, around one turn. Her only loss was around two turns. Hope I do. Incidentally, the dam of... Uh, Coco B, I believe, won twice at Emerald Downs. So the mom handled yeah. the surface just fine. So, uh, yeah, she's quality, Joe. You can see she's 7 for 14 lifetime and also has a beautiful running style. Blaine, she looks like she can lay pretty close. Yeah, she can. And, and the way I see three speed horses in the race, um, Frank's mare, Killarney Lass, when she's on, she's she's almost unbeatable when she's on. Yeah. Um, so if she brings her A game to the table, uh, she's she's going to be tough. And, and you know, they're going to have to keep Daffodil Sweets honest early in order for my mare to fire her best race. Um, you know, there's some new things happening. First time for us running at night with both horses. Um, but at least I got them up here and got a chance to get over the surface. And, um, yeah. you know, her, her, her record speaks for herself. Outside the one turf race, she's been spot on. It does. I mean, it's a fantastic record of uh competing and winning uh she's won what five of her last eight it looks like and again some speed in there with uh, as blaine mentioned killarney lass and certainly well even uno troublemaker who's a washington bred making her northwest debut uno troublemaker was the state's leading earner two years ago as a four-year-old and she's got three more santa anita wins this year she likes to show speed. So does, of course, Daffodil Sweet. And I'm a happy cat. And yeah. I'm a happy cat can go sub 44. So might be a good setup for uh, Blaine's Coco B with Irving Orozco aboard. Uh, give us, uh, Vince, did you have something? Well, I think Blaine is, is, is Chappelle Alpine Racing. They're the same people. Who, they got Coco B. Didn't they have Riser up here a few years ago? 
Yeah, Riser and Hudson Landing. And incidentally, Coco B was at Emerald Downs as a two-year-old. Oh. She was broke locally, and basically, um, uh, she she had um, she had about five works at, at Seattle um, when she was a two-year-old. Obviously, she was a California bred, so you know at that point, you're you're uh, you got to go to California. The bonuses and the maiden special weight bonus and that it, you you just can't beat it. So she moved on there and. But she has trained there before, so she's pretty, you know, at least she knows the surface. You bet. Okay, and then a little bit on your uh, three-year-old's upcoming on Sunday, Blaine. Yeah. um, Gail's evening was shipped to me by Jamie Thomas. We've had her about six days. Uh, Jamie will be up for the race, and, you know, basically uh, he asked me, he said, hey, why don't you just run her, and uh, I don't have to worry about, you know, getting licensed or anything like that. So he'll be here for the race. She shipped to us in real good condition. And obviously she's got a lot of speed and she's got four wins. So I think they're, um, they're looking for, you know, to get some black type. Mm-hmm. And then Launa, she hasn't done nothing wrong. Boy. I mean, she's, she's bucked the trend as a two-year-old and as a three-year-old. And, you know, you don't see horses make moves like that yes. uh, as two-year-olds. And then basically, as a three-year-old, I don't know that any horse is closed up like like she did the first time. So we're stepping into some new boundaries. But I, I got to figure, you know, this we got to take a chance with her. She's she's by a mare that uh, perhaps you know has had the whole family I think for quite some time. And one of the reasons I bought her is my dad used to try to buy whoever he could out of this family, and hmm. I think. Mucha's Corona's mother was a filly named Sarna that my dad purchased for the Heronsburgers, and she was a terrific race mare, and she ended her career. She got hurt on the hot walker and never ran again, and we've had Pebble Beach Baby, Skyrider, Sun's Corona come from this family, and just huge Northwest ties, and and I always told myself, if I find something I like, then I'm going to buy it, and I'll be honest with you, uh, I actually bought this filly for myself, and I didn't get a horse bought for John and Janine or Jerry and Gail that year, and they wanted to partner up with me, so I sold a third to each of them. And you know, hey, uh, they're they're those happy. People have been amazing for me in this business. So um, you know, if she can go on and do something in in the stakes company, that would be just amazing. Yeah, you'd be happy to share. And then in the Colts race, the three-year-old, you mentioned the Mary Anseys. you got top executive coming back in the Auburn, Blaine. Yeah, yeah, he's grown up. He's a different horse than he was here last year at Emerald. He was kind of a short, fatty, squatty little horse. He, he, we knew he could run, but he wasn't quite putting it out. Uh, he got gilded and came out with a bang and run a super, super race uh, to beat some nice horses. And, um, you know, guys, this last time on the turf, I don't know whether he was too fresh or just mine not on business or what, but he came to the paddock and was, I mean, he had already run his race before. He was hard to saddle, dripping wet. He's never been like that before. He hit the turf. He knocked the pony boy off the pony. And I mean, you know, whatever could have went wrong kind of did go wrong and just uh, draw a line through that race. He, he shipped up. He worked good last week and, you know, obviously Dutton's, Dutton's a man. Nobody's been able to head him. Nobody's been able to beat him. Um, what, he 
probably wouldn't have won the fraternity, but hey, you know what? He didn't he didn't balk at the line the other horse did and and he got the W and and uh you know Howard Belver's a Hall of Fame trainer, so you know you know he's bringing his horse ready to run. Yep. Well, uh, boy, sprints are, it's horse racing. It's a race. First of the wire wins and sprints. Uh, the horses can really go fast. It's going to be exciting with uh, Papa's golden boy, uh, you know, maybe ahead of Baja Sur early in the race. Uh, it certainly wouldn't be a surprise to see that happen. And, uh, and wouldn't be surprised to see Dutton show his dynamism again. And so we've got some exciting races coming up this weekend. Blaine Wright has some great chances uh, Blaine, thanks for joining us, and uh, really great luck to you this weekend. Yeah, sorry my uh, phone was going off while I was talking to you guys, but nope. Fine. I, Ir- Irving's been texting me he's got <laughs> here, so I'm trying to get him picked up okay. and delivered to the racetrack. Excellent. Nice work there, too. Blaine, thanks so much. Thank see you, at Blaine. The, see you at the track. All right. Take care. Blaine Bye. Wright joining us. And uh, let me uh, just not slight Baja Sir. I went over his accomplishments. I forgot one, Vince. He was also Sprinter of the Year as a three-year-old in 2019 as well as last year. So he has uh, six WTBOA honors yeah. at, over ages two, three, and four. Okay, I and, did that. A little well, late. and Blaine mentioned it there. We don't want to jump the gun. Pretty exciting to think about him finally getting a chance to go two turns in the mile this year knock on wood so uh yes that will be coming up on august 15th blaine mentioned irving orosco that's of course the uh, jockey who who he is picking up at the airport right now irving is riding coco b and a couple other big uh horses this weekend uh golden gate just wrapped up their meet on sunday so uh we'll see uh irving up here he has ridden here before joe he's yep. two for four including a win on aliford bay Yes. Uh, in the Seattle Stakes in 2017. So, Very good. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's familiar, and him and Blaine have won a ton of races together. Did you just mention he's Kevin's brother? No, I didn't. Okay. He's Kevin's older brother, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and Irving won, I think, 68 races at Golden Gate this winter, third in the standing. So he's he's a heck of a rider. Okay, going back and forth. Um, before we take a break, John White is going to join us later. But uh, uh, Baja Sur again, more Baja. Champion two-year-old, champion three-year-old, champion Washington older horse. Only one horse in state history has won a title at ages two, three, four, and five. And that is Noosa Beach. So Baja Sir, uh, Blaine's got him up here. He's got a prospective schedule. And Baja Sir could tie a record that only one horse has done in Washington bred history. Uh Vince? Well, and I was remiss in not writing this in my uh, nightly recaps last week, but Steve Meredith, we mentioned he was the breeder of the week with Gordon Anthony. Well, he also bred Rita Lorraine, was a winning breeder with Leader Lorraine. Can you say it, Joe? Well, you uh, just caught it for me. Rita Lorraine. Rita Lorraine. Okay. Two for two, Philly. Now, yeah, how often do you see full siblings win at the same track, you know, in a in one day apart. Well, they're both Gordon Anthony and Rita Lorraine are both by Don't Mess With Kitten out of Asura Slough. Asura Slough won four times here back in uh, 2010, 29, about there. So Gordon Anthony, Rita Lorraine, both winning for Steve Meredith as breeder. Uh, Gordon Anthony is a three-year-old colt, I believe, and Rita Lorraine, a four-year-old filly. Congratulations to breeder Steve Meredith. Okay, and some of my back and forths are going to be concerning June 20th, 1996, 
I drove Ann Wilson to the winner's circle to sing the national anthem. I said I was in the driver's seat, uh, which figures, and Ann was uh, on the back seat. And uh, it took a long time to get there because there was a huge crowd, even at that time, a uh, half hour before the first race on June 20th, 1996. That race went at 2.30. And of course, Ann had many well-wishers along the way. And uh, uh, as some of you might remember, there was about 19,000 here. Uh, the uh, audio didn't work too well for that, but we thank Ann Wilson for being part of our first day ever. Well, you mentioned them. Uh, if you go to YouTube, um, Ann and Nancy William Wilson do a spectacular rendition of Stairway to Heaven with Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, and uh, John Paul Jones sitting in the balcony watching it. Talk wow. about pressure, but they... Yeah. Uh, it's it's tremendous. I've watched it probably 50 times, but they do a wonderful rendition of one of my favorite songs. So anyway, that wasn't part of it, but since you mentioned yeah. that, uh, they're okay. local people too, the Wilsons, right? Definitely. From Bellevue. Yeah. We mentioned Irving Orozco. Uh, also back this week, Jory Scriber, our top apprentice from last year. She's got a couple mounts, including Squan's Kingdom in the Hastings Stakes, and Jory is a 20-year-old native of Curlew, Washington, She's currently the leading rider at Grants Pass. Grants Pass taking one week off, and then they're back up and going next week. Um, she loses her apprenticeship, I believe, on July 3rd. So, uh, Jory doing a heck of a job. 16 wins at Grants Pass. Very good. Yeah. Welcome back to Jory Scriver. Winner's Circle interviews in this state started on June 20th, 1996. We had a couple stakes races. Strawberry Morn in the first, Sneak and Jake in the 10th. Won the Auburn Stakes. Strawberry Morn, of course, took the U.S. Bank Stakes, the first race ever. And and we didn't even have time to really go over that. Uh, we were somewhat prepared, but uh, um, yeah, uh, we just moved into the building the Friday before the opening Thursday. And there wasn't a whole lot of meetings going on. Everybody was so busy uh, getting things hooked up and finding their way around. But uh, Ben Canberra, our director of marketing, yeah, get out there. We're going to talk to the winners out there. And so the, the feature race uh, winner circle interviews began on June 20th, 1996. Are we going to do those this week for yes, the six races? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've been following the exploits of Harvard Memories this uh, winter and spring. And he was back in the winter circle at Santa Anita last Friday. He's a Washington bred by Harbor the Gold out of Frisia. This time he won a $63,000 stakes race on turf. And uh, he is now uh, five starts with two wins, three seconds, yeah. and 111 grand in earnings this year, I believe. Yep. And co-owned by uh, Barcy Racing, who bred the horse, and Sluggo Racing, Mike Pipey Trainer. So good work, Harbored Memories. Oh, fantastic work. Yeah, big total already before half of the year's over for Harbored Memories, leading Washington bred earner. Uh, this is a pretty good little story from uh, opening day, June 20th, 1996. We had phones, you know, throughout the building, and those were working for communication. They had the little LED uh, readouts on who was calling, and we had uh, some new people in the TV room. You know, we really had accomplished people in there. They all were uh, well-known in the industry, and uh, a gal was at the audio board, and uh, I was I saw this one. Believe me, this is a good one. So she answers the phone uh, just, you know, 30 seconds after a race ended. And it must have happened before because she answered the phone. She goes, no, not now. And she hangs up the phone 
And she goes, who is this steward that keeps calling? <laughs> so the stewards were calling her to get some information or maybe a quick video look at the race that just ended. And uh, she didn't know what a steward was at that time. And she thought it was somebody named steward that's calling. Who is this? What? Tell, who is this steward that keeps calling? <laughs> After she abruptly hang up, hung up the phone. Anyway. That's great. Yeah. Um, we mentioned uh, top executive. Well... This, we're starting stakes action. Top executive produced the biggest $2 mutual in a stakes race last year yeah. here at Emerald Downs, 2860 in the King County Express. And Dutton coming back in the same race uh, as top executive. That's the Auburn this Sunday. He produced the lowest uh, $2 mutual in a stakes race, 260 in winning that Gottstein Futurity we talked about. That's good stuff as they uh, figure to meet again on Sunday. Uh, Robert Geller, our track announcer, new to the U.S., had been calling in uh, his native Australia and then Hong Kong, and we got him here at Emerald Downs for June 20th, 1996, and he called the card, of course, and then uh, for our Prime Sports Replay show, uh, we discovered that there was no audio on the race tape, so Robert came down on the opening day after calling 11 races. He was still on a high and they had no trouble uh, being asked to redo, redub every race, which he did. And you know Robert's memory and just looking yep. at the, I mean, it was all right there in his mind. In fact, he might even have got a chance to look at the monitor, but he recalled every race and uh, then he got to leave the track. And then after he left, we rediscovered that his audio still wasn't oh, on boy. the tape. So that was an event from June and, 20th. And knowing Robert as we both do, he did it all very good-naturedly, as is his want. Well, he, he was gone. He didn't have to do it a third time. But yeah. uh, anyway. Well, that's it for me, okay. Joe. Um, yeah. And uh, Leslie Mawing won um, the fifth race on opening day, June 20th, 1996, aboard Esprit de Bogan. And by the way, if you're at the track this Sunday, uh, you might see uh, Leslie and Robert Geller doing a testimonial uh, via Zoom. Leslie's back at Canterbury, and uh, I believe he's the only winning jockey still riding uh, from June 20th, 1996. He won a race that day. Jeff Cooper won a couple. Of course, he retired uh, shortly after, and he's... Uh, He's a slim 165 now or so. and uh, He has to go always to catch Wesley Ward, though. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so there's a few back and forths for uh, Horse Racing Northwest. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back with John White when we return on Horse Racing Northwest. The biggest and best of the Northwest just got even better. Introducing the all-new Muckleshoot Rewards Program with three tiers and extraordinary benefits. Play with your Muckleshoot Rewards card to earn points for free play and qualify for dining discounts, gifts, and much more. The more you play, the more you earn. Enjoy more benefits than ever before with the new Muckleshoot Rewards Program. Muckleshoot Casino, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Horse Racing Northwest continues, and just a you know, really eventful week at Emerald Downs with uh, our first stakes races of the meeting, two on Thursday night and two on Sunday. Sunday, June 20th, our 25th birthday. And uh, Vince just reminded me that our guest has a birthday coming up as well, Vince. That's right. John White is, uh, well, I don't know. We, John, as we get older here, we don't like to talk about him that much, though, do we? But anyway, happy birthday. I know it's coming up. 
Six Thank twenty. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I know Vince, yours is as well, because we celebrated on the same day, June twenty-first, which also happened to have been my father's birthday, my late father's birthday. That's and of course, awesome. I owe a lot to my father because uh, he's the one that got me interested in horse racing. He was a huge horse racing fan. Worked in the industry uh, in the money room at Yakima Meadows and Playfair Racecourse, and uh, he loved long anchors as did I. And uh, he, but he loved the sport, and uh, to him, who was my dad played minor league professional baseball, uh, but he was a huge sports fan. Loved the NFL, loved Major League Baseball, loved the basketball. But he thought the greatest thing he ever saw in all of sports, all sports, was Secretariat winning the Belmont Stakes by 31 lengths. Wow. I'll go along with that. Yeah, you know, John. Uh, Welcome to our podcast once again. We don't we like to get John on as often as possible. It's, he's down there at Santa Anita with their closing week for their winter spring meeting. But uh, my brother Matt just uh, forwarded me a race call of the 1973 Belmont Stakes, one of the uh, the most important events in American sport. Uh, and I had never heard it. And John, you were familiar with the announcer Ray Height. Yes, he was. Uh, in fact, uh, he called uh, the CBS radio broadcast yes. of Triple Crown races during that time, and he was the one that, uh, in 1971, I had become such a big racing fan that uh, I was always interested in the Triple Crown races, and at that time, uh, like at Yakima Meadows, they didn't even show the Kentucky Derby uh, on the on-track TV monitors. So I had my transistor radio, and I went out to my dad's car in the parking lot hmm. and listened to him call Canyonero the uh, second mm-hmm. win the 1971 Kentucky Derby. And I listen; it's a, a etched in my memory bank forever because I was I can remember like it was yesterday sitting in that car, and as they're coming down the stretch, he's calling Canyonero the second drawing away from the field and all i can remember thinking is who in the heck is kenyan arrow the second yeah right uh, from south america and uh and that, that was only 50 years ago so uh yeah only. <laughs> this year that's this is the 50 year anniversary of kenyan arrow yeah so ray height and his partner called the race the 73 belmont for cbs radio and of course, Chick Anderson was the CBS TV broadcaster. And, John, you also pointed out that uh, there was a track announcer at Belmont Park that day, too, calling yeah, the race. Yeah, Dave Johnson called it for the people at Belmont Park. Mm-hmm. So you had three different announcers. But the one that resonates, of course, with most people is Chick Anderson's, because most people were watching the race on television. Yes. As Secretary, it ended the 25-year Triple Crown drought. And really, it's one of the most phenomenal race calls, maybe the right. most phenomenal race call in history. Um, I would The only other race call in history I would maybe put on a par with it was the uh, Long Acres Mile call from a couple of years ago that Joe Withy did. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, that was uh, good, yeah. But, but Chick Anderson coming up with phrases like he's moving like yeah. a tremendous machine. I mean, he what he did that day to... You know, and most announcers didn't come up with phrases oh, like that at yeah. that time. It, that still puts be- chills through my body. Yeah, when and I'll I tell hear you, that. every once in a while, if I'm feeling down, I'll go on YouTube and watch that, yep. and it lifts my spirits. And you guys are right. How to, how he came up with that, but it just 
perfectly captured what was happening. And you can see the fans standing in the front rows there as the horse is coming down the lane. It I don't I don't mean to sound corny, but it brings tears to my eyes still to this day. Yeah. Well, it, and again, it was ahead of its time because we hadn't had Trevor Denbin in this country. Right. Or, you know, even Tom Durkin uh, was more of the ilk of to come up with that type of phraseology. I mean, most race calls prior to uh, that Belmont Stakes were just nuts and bolts, you know, horses, names, and yeah. margins. First, I mean, second, third, really fourth. Get, yeah. You didn't get much color commentary. And by the way, one other aspect to that 1973 Belmont win by Secretariat that has stood with me ever since I read that this happened. Jack Nicholas was in his den watching that race, and all by himself, as Secretariat was widening from the field coming down the stretch. And again, to put it into perspective, there had been a 25-year Triple Crown drought. Yeah. I mean, at that time, a lot of people thought that there would never be another Triple Crown winner. A lot of people thought there were too, the, full size, the full crop sizes had gotten too big, and this and that. But Jack Nicholas stood up by himself in his den and gave Secretariat that standing ovation and was applauding Secretariat coming down the stretch. Yeah. And to me, for Jack Nicholas, who is arguably the greatest golfer, either Jack or Tiger Woods, but I mean, one of the great athletes of our time to be standing alone in his den and saluting that performance by Secretariat, just that kind of gives me chills too. Yeah, you know, there's just so much. And, and you... You just brought up the 25-year gap, which was a long, long time, considering there was, I believe, what, eight Triple Crown winners between Sir Barton and, and Citation. So they they happened, you know, and then it didn't happen for so long. And uh, the rivalry with Sham was real. But uh, as Vince just put out there, uh, when he said Chick Anderson, he is moving like a tremendous machine. <laughs> You know, the stride is, is you just yeah. put, uh, just uh, uh, delineated there, Vince. Um, Sham's stride at that point, you know, he had broken Sham's heart and he was running downhill and it was, it was like that. It just fit so perfectly because he was gaining a length and a half on the field with every stride at that point. Well, and it looked like Secretariat had pistons in his oh, legs. They exactly. were just firing on all cylinders. And and uh, he also said, like, but Secretariat is all alone. Yeah. Yep. He is in a position where it's impossible to lose this race. And it just, it was so dramatic. And I well, didn't and know a lot about the racing. And said he wins by 25 lengths, yeah. but it could conceivably be more. And, of course, it was 31 yeah. lengths. Yeah. But the key to that whole race, that most people don't know that set the table for that the race of our the performance of our lifetime was the fact that secretary got robbed of the track record at the preakness because i talked to ron turcott about this and he confirmed to me that because secretary now secretary is credited with the uh, stakes record for the uh, preakness yes. but at the time it would have been a track record and they had a time electric timing malfunction and then the official timer at the track didn't really time it correctly but the commission by the uh, Maryland rules at that time did not have the power to overrule the time of of the official clocker at Pimlico a daily racing form took the rare measure of putting their own time, which would have been a track record, uh, in the chart. And it had turned out that that time wasn't even fast enough. Secretariat, as documented 
by the technology, more modern technology, actually ran even faster than the daily racing form had him running. But it was getting robbed of that track record. Why Ron Turcott, once he opened up 10 or 12 or 15 or even 20 lengths, didn't just wrap up on Secretariat. When you watch that race, He's, he actually takes a look to his left to look at the, the timer in the infield because yeah. I asked him, "Did you were you looking at trying to see the time? And he said, yes, because we were running against the clock. And that's a rare time in American racing where a horse wasn't just running against the competition. He was running against the clock. But we're, we really owe a debt of gratitude of that timing malfunction in Baltimore because if he hadn't been robbed of that record, believe me, Ron Turcott with the, you know, there would have been no need to win by 31 lengths, and he would have won more by like 15 lengths, which would have been impressive, and he would have won the Triple Crown. But it's it's that that situation that set the table for for him to continue to pour it on and win by the 31 lengths. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. I never really actually heard that angle before. So I'm learning a lot of stuff about uh, my favorite horse of all time, Secretariat, just today on the uh, Ray Height call and uh, John's info there on uh, the intent behind Ron Turcotte's yeah. ride. And William Knack, who was one of the great chroniclers of uh, Secretariat, his you can read it online. His farewell to Secretariat when Secretariat passed away. John was at 1989. I want to yes, say. Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, that also, that story will bring chills to your body reading, uh, William Knack had a way to turn a phrase. And of yeah. course he was there throughout the triple crown. And the last time he saw a secretariat and saw the shape he was in that, you know, the horse was clearly on his last legs. Um, it's really quite touching, but he takes you back through the whole triple crown again. And it's just an amazing uh, piece of literature. Yep. And if you well, want to go- wrote the definitive book on secretariat, yep. uh, which, Sure. I take two steps away from my desk and am holding that book in my hand. And, uh, I mean, it's just a, a brilliantly written book that uh, it just uh, – Knack was uh, – he was kind of the secretariat, really, of turf well, riders. Well, yeah, he sensed that this horse had greatness, and he threw everything else in his life away for the Triple Crown that year and followed the horse day and night throughout the triple crown season and had well, great he access was smart. he was smart because the guy who i think was the greatest horse racing rider of all time charles hatton who was the guy that's credited with popularizing the term triple crown for the kentucky derby preakness and belmont uh it's in dispute somewhat whether he was the first guy to use the term for the three races uh, apparently the new york times actually may have used it first that it was Charles Hatton's usage of it that pop, that really tied the three races together. And uh, Charlie Hatton, who wrote in the American Racing Manuals for years, recaps of the entire year and also horse profiles that were just spellbounding to me. As a youngster, I used to sit at the breakfast table at my home in Spokane and uh, almost always was reading the American Racing Manual, which is so filled with information, but that writing by Hatton was uh, mm -hmm. just an incredible. And Knack became friends. Hatton kind of took Knack under his wing. And it was Hatton who recognized Secretariat's greatness right away. Uh, and Knack was smart enough to pick up on that. And that's what laid the groundwork for Knack to do all the great work that he did. William Knack was here in uh, 2003 at Emerald Downs for a 30th anniversary of Secretariat's Triple Crown, along with Penny Chenery. 
both here at Emerald Downs. We had a uh, son of secretary, a daughter of secretary, the broodmare that Debbie Pabst had at the track. Mike Gastineau hosted. It was fantastic. And we did a uh, video uh, just a couple years after that on uh, actually, no, the 40th year. So it would have been 2013. John was part of that. We used the picture of John with his hand on secretariat back in Kentucky. And uh, we had remembrances of uh, Washington people and secretariat. And it's a pretty good YouTube video. Go to YouTube, type in Emerald Downs secretariat, and you can see that. And John, thanks for contributing to so many things up here in your home state regarding thoroughbred racing. You have been uh, uh, really a, uh, a gem for uh, historical Washington occurrences, uh, people and, and horses. So uh, again, thank you so much for that. Hey, well, thank you, Joe. And that's coming from someone that uh, probably is even more accomplished in that regard as far as Washington racing and that yourself. Well, uh, by the way, we talk about Secretariat and uh, coming home like he did. And I was saying how Ron Turcott didn't wrap up on him and he wins by 31 lengths. And, you know, he shattered the track record that the Gallup band had set in the 1950s. But do you realize that Essential Quality and Hot Rod Charlie both ran their final quarter mile in this year's Belmont at yeah. 24 and change, which was faster? I did and read Secretariat that. Secretariat ran yeah. his final quarter when he won the 1973 Belmont Stakes, in which his final quarter was timed in 25 seconds. Yeah, well, uh, those two horses were in a battle, and uh, Turcotte's hands that last 16th weren't uh, pumping too much on Secretariat because of the lead, even though, you know, he had probably ridden him earlier in the stretch, uh, as you mentioned. But uh, that was quite a battle, and an essential quality, a son of Tappet, uh, uh, he's coming out of the Triple Crown Series looking pretty good, isn't he, John? He certainly is, and so is Hot Rod Charlie, yeah. because Hot Rod Charlie ran one of the best races you're going to see in defeat. In fact, I've seen, I've heard some people go so far as to say it's the greatest uh, performance <laughs> in defeat in the Belmont Stakes. I guess those people weren't around for Alidar, uh, <laughs> yeah. which I would have to uh, say trumps uh, the uh, effort of Hot Rod Charlie, because Alidar had the misfortune to be born the same year as uh, affirmed, much like Sham had the misfortune to be born the same year as Secretariat, but Ali Dahar ran well enough in the Belmont to win like 99 out of 100 Belmonts. He just unfortunately uh, w once again lost to his arch rival in a photo finish and affirmed. But uh, Hot Rod Charlie did run just a terrific race in defeat. He ran the fastest opening quarter in the history of the Belmont. Uh, and like I say, he came home, despite running the fastest opening quarter mile, he ran the final quarter mile in uh, time faster than Secretariat. So, I mean, that really puts it into some perspective. Oh, you bet. But, but while while so much credit has been given to Hot Rod Charlie and Defeat, you don't want to forget that, yes, Essential Quality, he won the race. And uh, <laughs> he's only lost once in his life, uh, Essential Quality. That was at the Kentucky Derby. He finished fourth, lost by one length, but ran 68 feet further, uh, farther than uh, the winner, Medina Spirit, uh, as uh, as um, shown by Trackus, which measures such things. So, uh, essential quality. You know, if if he'd actually had more racing luck, because he got bothered at the start and then the wide trip, to only lose by one length. And uh, if he would have won, chances are he would have come back in the Preakness. And you say, well, would he have won the Preakness? I think he probably would have because he de defeated Rombauer three times, all mm -hmm. three times they've met. But 
On the other hand, he's never faced Rombauer off a two-week layoff. So that's part of the trick of the Triple Crown is having to come back in two weeks in the Preakness and then three weeks after that and go a mile and a half in the Belmont. So you can't say for sure essential quality would have won the Preakness. But if he had won the Preakness, I think he, you know, then he's going for a triple crown in the Belmont. And we at least we learned that a mile and a half, the distance wasn't going to trip him up. So I think the bad racing luck in Louisville actually might have prevented us a chance from possibly seeing even a triple crown winner this year. Yep. But it just goes to show you again how darn difficult it is to win all three of those races. Yeah, indeed. Okay, John White joining us. And uh, let me just throw this in. John, do you get phone calls from Teddy from New York who likes Kelso a whole lot and doesn't like Secretariat because Secretariat gets too much publicity? No, I don't. Uh, But uh, look, I don't (laughs) argue. There's certain horses I won't argue with them about if they feel they're the greatest of all time. Right. And Kelso is one of them. Mm -hmm. Dr. Fager is another one. Citation is another one. I mean, you know, you can make a case, you, and you can even throw Seattle Slough into that hopper, to be to be honest, in my opinion. So uh, Kelso was a five-time horse of the year yeah. and won the Jockey Club Gold Cup when it was a two-mile race, five, you know, like five, five straight years. Yeah. I mean, that he was a phenomenal horse, and but he carried weight, which we don't see horses have to do anymore. Yeah, well, I tell that to Teddy, who, who calls many racing people around the country, um, Don't give him my number. No, I won't, uh, because <laughs> he just left me a message uh, this week. I wasn't in, but uh, I tell him the same thing. I says, Teddy, I'm not going to say anything bad about Kelso, but you just keep trashing Secretariat, you know, and it's just not right, you know. And I say, hey, and, you know, the things to say positive about Secretariat are just uh, limitless. But uh, anyway, that's one area. And uh, just before we get off Secretariat completely in the Triple Crown Series, uh, in 1973, Sham was the best horse from Southern Cal. He was better than Linda's Chief, who was really, really, really good as a two-year-old and three-year-old. And Table Run couldn't beat Linda's Chief. And Table Run came up here and ran a couple of the most amazing races that we've ever seen in the Pacific Northwest. I think John saw both of them personally, uh, speaking of the uh, 273 Long Acres Derby, and then the Seattle Handicap uh, beating older horses in uh, super time. So uh, there were some good horses in 73 on the West Coast, and uh, Ancient Title was even a three-year-old that year, but uh, they couldn't handle Secretariat on the uh, major scope of things. So uh, Yeah, all... Table Run ran uh, against Sham, couldn't beat Sham, but didn't get beat all that far by Sham and Santa Anita. I did not see the Long Acres Derby, but I was there for the Seattle Handicap, and that was a tremendous field that day, and uh, Table Run just toyed with the competition that day, including Silver Mallet, who I was there when he won the Long Acres Mile that year for Jim Penny. So uh, Table Run was an outstanding racehorse, but he had the pedigree for it. He was by Round Table out of Theonia by Fleet Nasrula. How many guys do you think can just tick off his pedigree off yeah. the top of their head like that? Uh, and he was a half-brother to Theologist, right. who I also happened to see him in his maiden victory at Santa Anita in 1977, and he would go on to win the Long Acres Mile. He was a really nice horse, too, for Jim Penny. So um, Table Run uh, then became one of the greatest sires in the history of Washington yes. State, for sure. 
which didn't surprise me because he had the confirmation, he had the race record, and he had the breeding. He was the total package. Yep. John White, uh, our guest, always great to talk thoroughbred racing with John. Uh, it's closing week down at Santa Anita as uh, the meetings have been a little longer the past few years since Hollywood Park went away. Um, any uh, top performances, top horses uh, emerging from the meeting and even uh, some uh, maybe new, new uh, horsemen, trainers or jockeys? Well, uh, we'd had some uh, really terrific performances during the meet for sure. Uh, probably maybe the best performance of the entire meet opened up, uh, happened opening day. Uh -huh. That's when Charlatan won the uh, Malibu stakes, uh, quite impressively in that race. There was a very highly regarded invader for that race called Nashville, who actually went off as the favorite and Charlatan won with complete authority in that race by, uh, daylight and uh, then went on to finish second in the, uh, $20 million Saudi cup. Uh, so that really, the, I, that's, that performance right there was hard to top for the entire meet, but sure. uh, Idol looked good winning the Sanity to handicap. Unfortunately, he's, he's on the shelf right now with some physical problems, but, uh, you know, by winning the Sanity to handicap, Idol defeated, uh, among others, Maxfield and Maxfield, uh, has only lost once in his life. Right. That was in the big cap when he finished third to Idol. And uh, Maxfield came back out of the Santa Anita Handicap and won the Ali Sheba Churchill Downs impressively. Um, we had Swiss Skydiver ship in. She had won the Santa Anita Oaks last year as a three-year-old. She came back this year for Kenny McPeak. And really, it was impressive uh, winning the Beholder Mile before finishing uh, third in the uh, Apple Blossom at Oaklawn. As time goes by, had to settle for second in the Beholder Mile, but then came back and really looked impressive in the Santa Margarita when she won by over nine lengths. I still think she might be one of the better uh, older female thoroughbreds in the country this year. She's by Triple Crown winner, American Pharaoh. Smooth Like Straight was very impressive, went in the Shoemaker Mile. Unfortunately, when he got beat a neck in the... Uh, grade one race at Churchill Downs on Kentucky Derby Day. He, he finished third, got beat a neck. If he wins, I would have hit the pick six that Ooh. day. Uh, so that I lost, and his saddle slipped. His saddle slipped, and he got beat a neck. I had him singled. He was seven to one, and that cost me the pick six. So, but, but he is certainly one of the top turf milers in the country. And uh, Life is Good was awesome early in the season. He won the San Felipe Stakes by eight lengths and was the Kentucky Derby favorite at that time. Unfortunately, he was injured with a hind leg injury and went on the shelf, and he's supposed to come back later this year. Rock Your World with uh, Life is Good on the, sh on the sidelines was really impressive winning the Santa Anita Derby in his first race on dirt. Unfortunately, he lost virtually all chance at the start of the Kentucky Derby, and then he ran a disappointing race in the Belmont. But uh, they're expecting him to go back on the turf at the upcoming Del Mar meet. And then Gamine is really a, a special talent. Uh, she was very impressive winning the Las Flores here during this meeting, and then went on and won uh, the Derby City Distaff, a grade one race at Churchill Downs. So I would say those were, were pretty much the highlights of the meet. Very good. Yeah, that uh, always some of the top horses in North America at Santa Anita throughout that meeting. And so, John, uh, very, I don't know if you got a chance to look at our Emerald Downs race. Uh, yes, I races. did. Okay, you well, bet give, us, I did. give us an opinion on Thursday's races. Uh, the Hastings for fillies and mares and the Budweiser for uh, older males. 
they're both very good races. They are. Um, yeah. The Hastings, I mean, there's no question who is the uh, filly to beat, and that is your morning line favorite, Daffodil Sweet, who looked uh, impressive in her 2021 debut. Um, she, uh, of course, was uh, impressive in, in winning the uh, Coca-Cola last year at Emerald Down. She's only lost once in her life, and uh, uh, she she's the one to beat, and she'll, she's going to be tough. But I, I thought a real interesting long shot Mm-hmm. Uh, to hit the board or possibly even pull off a, a real big upset here is Cascade Dancer. Why do I say that? Because there's a lot of early speed in this race. I think you have Uno Troublemaker who uh, has been racing here at Santa Anita yep. and is showing up uh, at Emerald Down. She's got early speed. You've got the Killarney Lass. She's got early speed. I'm a happy cat. She's got early speed. So that could be a, a bit of a problem for Daffodil Sweet, who to me at this point has not really proven that she can necessarily sit off the lead and win. Now, maybe she can. She could very well be that talented. But uh, the fact that there is a, a possible pace pickle for her makes me interested in Cascade Dancer because she's going to be a big price Cascade Dancer. And we don't really know how good she is at this point. I mean, her her numbers, her buyer numbers don't measure up with the others, but she's only starting her career, really. Uh, she won her final start last year, and then this year I like the way she came from a little bit off the pace. And uh, she won going away that day. She gets more distance t- uh, to run at here. She's got uh, a race under her belt this year now. And uh, Kay Cooper, uh, I just have so much respect for Kay Cooper and, of course, her late father, the great Jim Penny. So uh, I, that's uh, just a real interesting uh, possible uh, upsetter, I thought, in that Hastings. How do you guys see it? Well, that win of hers was impressive because she did have the one post there. And uh, that was a decent little field as well. It was a six-horse field, but, uh, you know, she's a runner for sure. And you're going to get a big price on her. Uh, I'm going to go with I'm a happy cat in there. Uh, she can go really fast up front, maybe faster than Daffodil Sweet. We've seen her uh, show her heels to good horses up here in the past. She has two sprint stakes wins here. It looks like she's going well. She's coming off a win at Golden Gate. Yeah, it was a claiming uh, event, but she came back with a really hot work. She's won from the outside post in a stake before. I'm going with the slight upset on the front end with I'm a happy cat. And uh, Vince, how about you? Okay, well, I struggled with this race. Yeah, I agree with John Daffodil Sweets, uh, uh, the horse to beat. Yep. Coco B uh, checks a lot of boxes, too. We had Blaine Wright on earlier. I'll go uh, Don't Kiss and Tell. I thought her uh, comeback race was a lot better uh, than it looks on paper. She had nothing but trouble in that yes. race. And um, as John mentioned, you guys mentioned there's going to be a pretty lively pace, and I think she does have a pretty good kick. She had a nice six furlong work from the gate the other day, and the leading rider up, Alex Cruz, certainly doesn't hurt. Tom Wenzel's won a bunch of stakes. So I think Don't Kiss and Tell has a look at a price. Yep, very good. It, yeah. It's really an interesting race. I mean, look at how, how we're, we're mentioning how many really are candidates to win this race, and how it unfolds early is going to be interesting. And uh, it, it's a race I'm really looking forward to seeing, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. It is. Daffodil Sweet, undefeated sprinting at Emerald Downs. Certainly, as we all agree, uh, constant up there to uh, be prominent early, if not throughout the whole race. Uh, Then the Budweiser, the return of Baja Sur, 
who is undefeated at this track at ages two and three. Papa's Golden Boy has rare speed. He flashed it again in his seasonal debut. Um, and uh, John, who do you like? I like Baja Sur quite a bit here. I mean, personally, I'm going to be very surprised if he doesn't win this race. Uh, you mentioned, I mean, he's he's never lost at Emerald. And uh, I, the thing I like about him, not only is he fast, he does not have to have the early lead to win. He's shown he can come from off the pace and win. So if Papa's golden boy goes out there and sizzles, which we expect him to do, uh, Baja Sur should stalk. And uh, to me... Uh, Baja Sur's just too fast. I mean, I don't see Papa's Golden Boy going six. I might give him a little more of a shot at five and a half, but going six, I just, I I think Papa's Golden Boy's going to have a tough time holding off Baja Sur. And I, I really think Baja Sur is going to be uh, extremely tough to beat in this race. So uh, while, while I think there's a possible upset or huge upsetter with that Cascade Dancer, I'm looking for the chalk to come through here in the Budweiser and Bosser. And looking down the line, I know they're talking Long Acres Mile for him, which is what you do at this time of the year uh, because that's the big prize that you want to win in the Pacific Northwest. So, And look, last time out, Baja Sur finished second at Golden Gate in the Lost in the Fog Stakes to any port in a storm. And any port in a storm darn near won that race that Joe Withy called the Long Acres Mile a couple of years ago. And the reason I bring that up is that's still just a, a huge compliment to Joe because he didn't know he would be having to call the Long Acres Mile, and there was technical difficulties, and Joe called the race from down there uh, by the winner circle, for Pete's sakes, uh, off the TV, So, and did a tremendous job doing that under the circumstances. So it's one of the greatest accomplishments <laughs> in Emerald Downs history, with his call of that oh. Long Acres Mile. Thanks, oh, John. That. Yeah. You know, I didn't have time to get uh, nervous on that, and I will say... Being the mile, there's just so much stimulus on that race. Each horse in the race, uh, we do the silks board. As John has been honorary steward for the race, he knows the all the circumstances that go in through the week. So uh, luckily, all that happened leading up, and it was uh, right there fresh. And if it was just a regular race, uh, who knows what would have happened. But uh, thank you so much for that. And I'm with you on Baja Sur. Uh, if you look, fellas, uh, it shows 10 past performance lines of his 14 career races in the in the DRF, the current uh, DRF, of course. And um, the two fastest half miles he's ever been in, a 43-2 and two at Golden Gate in the El Dorado Shooter, he was off the pace one by four. The second fastest half mile it shows that he's been in, a 44 flat, the Oakland of late 2019, he was two lengths out of that at the half mile pole and won that by four. So the faster the pace, no problem for him. He's a fast, very fast sprinter himself. And if he's got a, a super shooter out in front of him, like Papa's Golden Boy figures to be, uh, there's going to be no panic in uh, Franklin Sabalos and the horse. Um, so I'm with John on Baja Sur, Vince. Well, yeah, I mean, you make some guys make some great points. Baja Sir might even go lower than the nine to five. We have him. I think if Papa's Golden Boy is ever going to beat him, this would be the time. He yeah. has a big recent win over the track. Um, you know, interestingly, the the one post has done very well in sprints here at the meet. Thirteen for fifty one at five and five and a half, just one for sixteen at six furlongs, whatever mm. that means. But Julian Couton, a real good hustling jockey, and. Uh, you know, this Papa's Golden Boy, those those 
runs around the turn from him are pretty dramatic. I mean, Joe mentioned it, oh. rare speed. That is rare speed he has. Oh, yeah. And um, it's enough to make another jockey a little bit nervous, seeing a horse spurt away like that. So, you know, uh, I guess I'll be the guy who tries the the to be foolish and beat Baja Sarah, but I just love watching Papa's Golden Boy run, and uh, I'll take a shot with him. Very good. John, thanks so much for joining us. All kinds of info. Again, great uh, reminiscing and uh, current handicapping. Uh, we'll catch up with you soon, and, and have a great summer, and have a happy birthday this weekend. Thanks a lot, guys. Always great to talk racing with you guys, and uh, great to see uh, the Emerald meeting going as well as it does. Of course, any track in the Pacific Northwest holds a very special place in my heart, and Emerald Downs does as well. In fact, I uh, was the sweep in the daily racing form uh, for the first few years of Emerald Downs' existence, including that first year. And uh, the racing form actually sent me up to Emerald, and I did a seminar there uh, Long Acres Mile Day when Is It In Good won the very first uh, Long Acres Mile at Emerald Downs. So that's a very special memory for me, too. You bet. Right on. Thanks, John. Talk to you Thanks, soon. Thanks, guys. See you, John. Thanks a lot. John White joining us. Uh, just so good to reminisce with John and uh, current anything thoroughbred racing. And, and he just keeps so much close track of Washington. Everybody knows that who listens. Okay, we need to wrap up this show. Let's give out the trivia question. Uh, we didn't have one last week, but this week's question uh, regards our first year. Um, there was a jockey that was named to ride a bunch of horses on June 20th, 1996 at Emerald Downs. He didn't ride any of them. Give us the name of that jockey. Uh, and send those answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com. If there's multiple winners, which there usually are, we'll have a drawing for whoever does win. So it's uh, which jockey was named at entry time to ride several horses at Emerald Downs June 20th, 1996. He did not ride any of them that day. Vince, uh, good stuff, long stuff, and uh, on to our first stakes week and uh, birthday celebration on Sunday. You bet. Looking forward to it. Okay. Thanks for listening to Horse Racing Northwest. <laughs>